Friends, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind because that is the rule and not the exception. Today's episode might get a little geeky on the idea of leadership, the concept of leadership. We're going to talk about the tripartite concept of practice, reflection, and theory. We're going to dive into that a little more. I titled this first season of Leadosophy Foundations of Leadosophy and I want to get back to that a little bit. I think it's important to, before we start moving on to, to more interviews, which I want to start doing more and more of over the coming weeks, I want to wrap up some some ideas of, of leadosophy and the foundations of leadosophy. And today I want to talk about some, I want to talk about leadership from a social science perspective. And I want to talk about theory development, how we develop our leadership theories how we, how we lead others is basically tied to what we think about human behavior, what effects we think our leadership actions will cause. This is all very important from a social science perspective. And I'm not, I don't think we all leaders need to be social scientists. I'm not advocating that. But today's episode, we're going to talk about why that might help out just a little bit to think about leadership from a social science perspective. All right, here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of Leadosophy, Tim Wood. All right, friends, welcome back to the geek episode of Leadosophy. I guess not so much scholarly talk of leadership, but just general leadership from a science perspective. If you're watching at home, I got my fancy Vermont coffee cup. If you're not watching, I'm holding a coffee cup that says Vermont on it with a mousse. It's one of my favorite, very sturdy, solid ceramic mug. What do you call a, is it a herd of moose? I don't know. Interesting. Anyone out there who knows what uh, a herd or herd of moose is, let me know. I think it's a herd. Anyways, here we go. I said I want to talk about leadership from a social science perspective. I want to talk about developing leadership hypotheses, basically talking about why we lead, what theories do we lead with, why do we lead like we do. It's kind of a new, I have a new approach here of leadosophy to these podcasts. I want to start more with questions. I think it's important to start with questions a little more often instead of diving right into the material. I want to discuss leadership more from an investigative mindset. I think that helps. I have a lot of notes today. I don't think the episode's going to be very long, but I do have a lot of notes I want to go through to make sure I cover all the points of, I talked about leadership as a, or leadosophy as a tripartite concept. I stole tripartite concept from Plato's tripartite description of the soul, which is the reason side, the appetite side, and the spirit side. Reasoning, obviously, being the highest form of the soul, 
the app or the the spirited side is courage and in um, loyalty, things like that. More Plato had this idea, perfect idea of the city. And if you ever read the Republic, it's a pretty dense book. But Plato thought the the if you think more in modern day armed forces, the people who fight for your country or fight for your city or whatever, they, they are more spirited, courage, loyalty. And then the base part of the soul for Plato was appetite, which is more the physical desires, lust, you know, all the, all the physical emotions. They can get out of control if, if you let them. But the tripartite soul, reason, spirit, and appetite so I just took tripartite and came up with leadosophy, which is practice, reflection, and theory. Pretty simple. They're all pretty self-explanatory. I think reflection is more reflection and self-reflection. Again, I've said this in other episodes. I think reflection comes in two parts. We're reflecting outwardly towards our actions upon others in the leadership world, our reaction to events that happen external to us, and then self-reflection, which is more internally based uh, our own, own emotions, feelings, desires, wishes, values, assumptions, everything that goes on internally, uh, self-reflection. Okay, when we ask more questions, especially in the world of leadership, we suddenly become open to new ideas about leadership. I think that's why this is important. When we ask more questions, we can discover new knowledge within the field of leadership, and we can apply this knowledge in a practical sense. We talk about leadership theory. I've talked about this before, reading, why do we read books about leadership? Why do we go to scholarly articles on leadership? Why do we go to studies about leadership? It's to gain that new knowledge and apply that practically in the, in the field, in our business, in our organization, in our teams, working on projects, whatever it may be. I think this idea of reflection, self-reflection, allows us to wonder about or question ideas like our effectiveness or lack thereof as a leader, as a leadership team, as a management team. And the next episode I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to dive right to the heart of leadership effectiveness. We throw leadership effectiveness around very haphazardly in my, in my analysis. My, my assumption is that we throw the term leadership effectiveness around pretty haphazardly. I talked about on previous episodes about leadership books and interviewing effective leaders. Well, what is an effective leader? I think it varies based on context. There's all, all these different situations and contexts and things at play when it comes to leadership effectiveness, mission goals, objectives, effective in whose eyes. I read somewhere that I read in actually a scholarly article this morning that leadership effectiveness is in the eye of the beholder. Whose eyes are we talking about? As a leader, do I determine if I'm effective as a leader? Do the followers determine if I'm effective? Does my organization determine if I'm effective? Does my boss determine if I am effective? And can effectiveness contradict one another? Can my organization say I'm an effective leader? I'm going to promote you where your followers can't stand you and vice versa. So anyways, yeah, I think, I think reflect, reflection on things like leadership effectiveness, what leads to better human performance? what naturally created or human created conditions give a business a better chance of retaining solid talent or what features or concepts makes leadership seem simple yet complex 
and sometimes this can happen simultaneously. We say leadership simple. Well, why are there 50,000 books on Amazon on leadership? If it's that simple. Leadership super complex. Just do, just treat people like you want to be treated. The golden rule. You're going to get a lot of results. That's simple enough. A paradox, it could be. All right, so I got some more questions. I want to I want to dive into some more questions about social leadership as social science, leadership as a practice, leadership theory. And when I read these questions, just think about them. Do they apply to you in your current situation, your current current organization? What about if you're leading within your community? What if you're a community leader? Do any of these questions apply to you? Do they have any import? The first question is about leadership as social science. Should leaders pay attention to leadership from a social science perspective? Leadership is not a natural science. It's not physics. It's not biology, right? Leadership is, is a lot to do with psychology, a lot to do with philosophy. There's all kinds of different liberal arts fields that apply to leadership outside the realm of natural sciences. So when you start talking about leadership as a social science, how do you develop theories in the social science world? Are they effective? Do they have explanatory power? Do they have predictive power? Should leaders try to gain a better understanding of their habits, their tendencies, traits, their decision-making strategies? All of these as a means to increase human performance and organizational performance. Does it behoove the leader to pay attention to things like these, to try to understand their own character traits and then apply that to a leadership setting? Do you even have time to do this as a leader? I'm not in a leadership role right now. I can sit here and make silly YouTube videos about leadership with little consequences in the business organ in the, in the organization. I can talk about explanatory power, predictive power of leadership theories, yet I don't have to apply them. You do in a practical sense. Why does this matter to you? Again, do you even have the time to deal with this? Are you so overwhelmed with work? So overwhelmed with achieving objectives? Maybe you're a business owner. Do you have time to think about how your leadership traits or characteristics are affecting or influencing those around you? Again, does it matter? Is it worth your time? I can't answer that. Should we understand our assumptions of human behavior prior to assuming a leadership role? And again, why is this important? Is human behavior even predictable? I would say from one sense, yes. If I am thirsty, I will seek water. If I am on the verge of dying of thirst, I will desperately seek water. If I'm in the middle of the ocean and I am dying of thirst, I, there's a good chance I may try to drink seawater and take my chances. And I think in other sides of the coin, people act completely irrational. And again, maybe that's predictable. Humans will behave irrationally depending on the circumstances they're in. Another question for you leaders out there. If I lead others with a certain leadership style, if you lead others with a certain leadership style, let's say authoritarian, democratic, laissez-faire leadership, 
will predictable results follow from those you lead? If you lead with an authoritarian style, and that is your dominant mode, what can you predict about your followers? How will they behave? Will they be receptive receptive to your leadership style? What about in the short term? What about in the long term? I will argue that there are times, and I've said this on another podcast as well, I will argue that there are times when authoritarian style of leadership is not only beneficial, but it is necessary to accomplish a certain objective. There are There is no time for an open mind to have a sit-down discussion about what's right, what's wrong. You need to act. You need to decide. How does that work in the short term from your follower's perspective? And how does that work over a long-term strategy and vice versa for a democratic-style leadership? Again, we are assuming a little bit that human behavior is predictable. More questions. Should we understand what drives, motivates, or inspires members of our team? Those who work for you, is it important to understand what drives them, what motivates them? Do you think you're the one that is motivating them? Do you think you have that power? Again, this is prediction. You are predicting that you have the power to motivate those around you, and maybe you do. From the carrot and the stick theory perspective, rewards and punishments, maybe that's your style. Or maybe you believe in self-motivation. I don't know, everyone's different. Should we understand what improves happiness in the workplace? What detracts from happiness? Should we understand why this happiness idea or this idea of happiness even matters in the first place? If, you were, if you're in a military setting, if you work in the military, does it matter if the employees in the military are happy? Or do they have a mission to accomplish? I would argue happiness matters. But again, what, give, what makes you think that? That's a theory. Your hypothesis is that happiness matters in the workplace no matter what the organization or the business is. Whether it's a, a civilian job or a military job. You may have a certain theory about happiness in general. Happiness has been talked about from a philosophical standpoint for millennia. The human pursuit of happiness. How many jobs have people out there gone to where they're miserable at work? Why do some, some employees desperately seek or believe it's so enjoyable to go on a vacation to get away from work? Why is the workplace that detrimental to their psychology where they're trying to escape it as much as they can? They can't wait to get home. They can't wait to leave. They're staring at the clock the last three or four hours of the day. What conditions in that environment create that? Are leaders creating those conditions or just the nature of the work itself? Again, these are questions. These are reflective questions. Leadosophy likes reflective questions and self-reflective questions. Leadosophy likes being inquisitive about leadership. Do we understand why the employees at the bottom of the hierarchical pyramid care less about the business than the business owner or the owners? Is this natural? Can we force employees at the bottom to care more 
What conditions can we create in the workplace that may increase the chances that all employees take ownership of their organization? That all employees want to become ambassadors for their organization? How do we increase the, how do we improve the conditions in that organization? All the questions I just talked about, I just ran through. More than likely have some form of data that is out there, that are out there whether they were studies or surveys, scholarly research, whatever it might be, all these questions have something that backs, backs theories up about why we should act a certain way as a leader, why we should pay attention to this and not so much to this area, why happiness matters in the workplace, theories about happiness in the workplace. And from a practical application, what can you do as a leader to improve happiness? Job satisfaction. What, can you, what, what are the benefits of employee recognition? There are theories about this. If I do this, this will result. It's important. So we're exploring all this data and information. We're using our observations. We're making, we're testing hypotheses. And we're trying to falsify these hypotheses, right? And I think we, we gear these these hypotheses to, I think, four main areas as far as the human-centric side goes, human behavior, human emotion, human performance, and human potential. Those four areas, potential, performance, emotion, and just general behavior. Again, this is heavily psychological. We talked about leadership as a social, social science. There's a reason why people talk about leadership and psychology is involved. It's so, so heavily involved with psychology. So let's talk about some theories we may have in the workplace. I'm going to give just a, a few examples. Here's the first example. If I am open and transparent with Group A in my decision-making strategy, then the members of Group A will understand how I arrived at a particular decision. And members of Group A will be more likely to accept not only the decision I made, but the outcome that followed. Now, this didn't happen in real life. This is just a theory. So where do we come up with this idea? This is a theory about transparency, decision-making strategy, the acceptance of outcomes. These are all theories. There are studies out there that talk about things like this. Do you have any real-life examples of this happening to you? where you were open and transparent about a decision you made in your organization and you got really, really good results. Maybe the decision sucked. Maybe it, it sucked for a lot of people involved, but because you were open and transparent about all the information that you had to take into account, the people around you understood you made the best decision with the information you had. Embrace the suck they had to do. So that's, a, that's where the theory and the practice may meet up. Maybe this doesn't always happen this way. You may have this theory about being open and transparent and it backfires on you. Your theory was kind of falsified in a sense. So maybe you have to adjust your theory. Maybe there are other conditions and factors you didn't take into account. Here's a second example. If I empower Group B to take control of our project, then members of Group B will assume more ownership and responsibility for the project creation process and the final product that is created. 
Again, this is theories about empowerment, the effects of empowerment and team dynamics, giving people autonomy in decision-making, autonomy of projects. These are all theories. If I do this, then this will follow. This is important from a theoretical standpoint. You can't, it would be really hard to argue that theory doesn't matter in the, in the, in the leadership sense. Because every day you are leading based on theories. You're making decisions based on theories. Based on the decision I make will create a certain outcome. You predict it will create a certain outcome. And from a practical sense, until you actually make the decision and you see the results that follow, you don't know if your prediction is going to be correct. Theory, practice, theory, practice. If you look at the results and they didn't match your predictions, this is where we're in the third part of the concept, the tripartite concept. We're back to reflection and self-reflection. Why did I not get the results that I predicted when I made a certain decision? When I treated a certain person like this, they still don't trust me. I try to be caring to this person, but they still don't trust me as a leader. Why is that? What am I missing? We can talk about reasoning backwards from a, from a theory development process. Reasoning from the effects of leadership, right? Reasoning from the effects of leadership to the human-created causes of those effects. And I have two examples, and we're going to wrap it up. These are, all, these are both hypothetical. All right, so Mike emails me. Mike emails me and says that during our meeting today, I called him out in front of our entire team for not getting our company's marketing strategy developed in a timely manner. Mike was disappointed that I never asked him how the project was coming along over a two-month period, and now all of a sudden this marketing strategy is a huge deal, and I make it a huge deal in front of the entire team. So from a leadership perspective, I'm reading this email. I can either reflect on this email, self-reflect, or I can just dismiss it and say Mike's wrong. But I am going to, I've been watching Leadosophy YouTube channel, and I know the power of reflection. There's my Leadosophy out. I know the power of reflection and self-reflection. So let me think about this email that Mike sends me. I sense that Mike may disengage from his work or has the potential to disengage from his work. And again, the terrible thing about emails is you start making a lot of assumptions based on based on maybe not fully understanding the email context. But if I'm sensing that Mike's going to disengage from his work, this is an assumption I might be making. Mike may feel dejected or uninspired. Again, these are assumptions. And I know Mike has always been reliable in the past. So question for leadosophy, a question for me as a leader, what actions or inactions are my responsibility from the perspective of leadership? So through a reflective process, I can start developing theories about what I did that caused, right? I'm reasoning the effects of Mike's, how Mike feels to the causes, what I caused. I can develop theories or I can just ask Mike directly. And Mike was very specific. He said that I called him out in front of our entire team about the marketing strategy. So that's a very specific piece of information that I can take and apply to a future, future event. But what else did I do to cause Mike to feel like X or Y? In this scenario, again, I said Mike said that I called him out. What else did I do to cause certain conditions X or Y? So that's my first example about reasoning backward from the effects that Mike talked about in the email he sent me to my causes. 
And again, there may be more causes than what Mike just told me. So I have to reflect on that a little bit. Okay, and then my last example, I'm going to wrap this up, folks. From a management or organizational perspective, we can reason backwards as well. And one, one example is an organizational survey. Again, this is hypothetical. Let's say in our last organizational survey for our business or our unit, 75% of our workforce stated that they would not recommend our business to someone else as a great place to work. That's a problem. That goes straight to ambassadorship. 75% of our team, of our squad, of our organization wouldn't recommend our business as a place to work. That is a problem. These survey results are the effects. Now we can reason backward, backwards as leaders and managers. What are our causal theories about leadership in our organization that led to these survey results or these effects? And again, I would say this scenario here, this may be an absolutely horrific scenario because when 75% of the workforce states that they wouldn't recommend the business for someone else to work at, you're going to be, you're going to have a lot to unpack there. This is a very difficult situation. Maybe it's not, maybe it's pretty straightforward. You just have really, you have a management team or a leadership team that is very results driven. And they don't really care. They don't care about the human centric side of the organization. It may be as simple as that, but it could be super complex and difficult to unpack. And I would say these effects that are manifesting in the survey, and it's not, not just maybe ambassadorship. There may be other effects, effects of, of happiness, maybe low morale, maybe low. These effects probably didn't manifest overnight in the organization. So I think that's good enough. I, again, wanted to talk about the tripartite concept of leadosophy, practice, reflection, and theory. If you are currently in a leadership role or you aspire to a leadership role in your organization, you may think that there's not enough time in the day or it's not worth thinking about theoretical leadership concepts. But I argue that you do that, you do this every day, maybe subconsciously. Again, you're making predictions about your leadership Every time you decide or you act in a certain way and you expect a certain behavior from the people who work for you, this is theory and practice. And again, you can, you can look at your decisions, your actions in the workplace and really try to reflect on how they are, how are they playing out? Are you getting the results that you thought you should have gotten? Again, predictive power, the predictive power of your theories. Are you getting results? And if you're not getting the results, why? What information are you missing? What assumptions are you making about those who work for you that could be wrong? I would say a lot of times the predictions don't come out like we think because our assumptions are faulty, they're flawed, they're acquired in error. And a lot of times these are assumptions about people who work for us, who work around us whether it's how they act or what drives them, what motivates them. A lot of things come down to assumptions. All right, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, I, I, apologize, well, I don't apologize. I enjoy geeking out about leadership theory. Again, I'm not in a leadership position, so I'm not really applying a lot of theoretical leadership concepts on a day-to-day basis, but you out there listening might be. So just remember about this blend of leadership theory and practice. 
again, whether you're a business owner or you're at a military unit or whatever it might be, you are leading based on leadership theory, your ideas of leadership theories every single day. You just may not realize it. Now you can kind of open that door a little bit, maybe not get to be so intimidated by it, by it and embrace some of the social science aspect of leadership. I think it's important. All right, folks, thanks for watching. We'll catch you next time. Remember, Leadosophy is about, about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen your, our understanding of leadership and of life and of life. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.